Well, hello again, everyone. Good evening. And it's Steve Bell again, uh, bringing the second uh, in just a twin uh, presentation on Jesus the Outsider. Before I get into it, I, I want to give a huge thanks to Sito and the team who have been just working behind the scenes and setting this whole thing up. Uh, and it's been a delight to work with all of them. So we're looking this evening at uh, John chapter four, and I intimated this morning that um, we would home in on the Samaritans and Jesus' relationship with them. What I'm going to do, because I lived in the Middle East for um, a decade, um, and I, I tend to read the Bible through more of a Middle Eastern perspective, and so I want to Instead of doing a reading, I want to go um, verse by verse through a selection of the verses in John uh, chapter 4. So it begins uh, here with verse 4. If you want to have it ready, it'll help you. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, now already we've got a, a slippery expression. He had to go. Well, he actually, unless it was flood season in the Jordan Valley, he didn't have to go through Samaria. Um, he could have turned right out of Jerusalem down to the valley and follow the river all the way up uh, to the mouth of Galilee, uh, the lake. Um, and uh, but he didn't. And so it suggests that if the Jordan was not in flood, uh, he had to go through Samaria because that was the route he had chosen to go by. Um, and uh, this is already a pointer that he fully intended to be where he was. So verse five. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria um, uh, called uh, Sichar or Sychar. And it's near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So again, Jesus has chosen strategically to be where he is. It is the most controversial spot, probably in the whole of uh, Samaria. He couldn't have chosen a more um, controversial place to be. Why? because it's a, a holy site um, which is revered by both Jews in Judaism and Samaritans in what we could best term Samaritanism, which is actually a hybrid form of Judaism, but that's a long historical explanation going all the way back to the Book of Kings. And the, the strategic thing about this location is that although it's controversial, um, it is a point of theological connection. Um, and we're going to return to this later on, a point of theological connection between these two groups. Um, so we, we move on. Um, tired as Jesus was from the journey, he sat down by the well. And I just love that. It's, it's what I call whole life engagement, okay? Jesus was not afraid to be human and to show human need. 
he was tired, he was thirsty, and he was hungry. Um, so it's not just about verbal proclamation, it's a, about a disposition that I call whole life. It's, it's using the whole of who we are, our contact, context, our personality, our situation, our joys, our pains, our struggles, all that we are going through to be a witness to Christ in those, not to hide them. Um, and uh, this is a model that, that Jesus is giving us, not just telling good news, but also being good news. And then it says, uh, back of verse six, it was about noon. Now thereby hangs a tale. Um, and he says, or oh, John says, um, it was about noon and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now the time of day says it all. Um, you may have heard uh, Noel Coward's song, um, only mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. Um, and she was doing that for a reason. Um, she was a social outcast. We learn as we go through the passage, she had, she had had five husbands and the man she was now living with was not her husband. Quite a reputation, um, quite a lot of brokenness there. And Jesus initiates the conversation. He says to her, will you give me a drink? I'm in need, I'm thirsty, will you give me a drink? And then um, this aside, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, whoa, <laughs> you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, in case you hadn't noticed, how can you ask me for a drink? And he, it, 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 it's outrageous what Jesus is doing. Jesus sends his friends into the town to buy non-kosher food, then starts a dubious conversation with a socially shunned woman and in broad daylight. And then I love this little um, parenthesis um, that it says, uh, oh, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And for me, this is just about the biggest understatement in the entire New Testament. Um, because there are huge reasons why that was that we'll see in a moment. Jesus answered her, in other words, he kind of bats it away, it's like a game of badminton or something, he, he bats the shuttlecock out the way. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking for a drink, you would have asked him to give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Let's get practical here. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Fantastic uh, imagery of spiritual reality. So notice that Jesus is speaking to the heart before the head. He's addressing heart hunger and felt need. Um, the woman said to him, <coughs> excuse me, sir, give me this water so I won't go get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Then the woman said, I know, and now she's sort of <laughs> flicking um, the, the, the shuttlecock away. Then she, she kind of changes the subject, verse 25, I know that Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Fabulous. People say to me, where did Jesus claim to be divine? Where did he claim to be the son of God? Uh, and so on. But I would say this is a strong place in, in uh, his words. Jesus did claim to be Mashiach uh, or Messiah in the Arabic language, Mashiach in the Hebrew language. He did claim it. I who speak to you am he. And in using this um, from a Jewish perspective, it is laying claim to divinity, the one who is um, uh, anointed of God. Uh, throughout the Old Testament. It's um, a description uh, that is so intertwined and it really is getting into a, a statement of divinity for the meaning of the, the real meaning of Messiah. So Jesus' interaction, um, being human, sitting with her, expressing felt need, um, speaking to the heart, before the head, it elicits um, a very positive response because his interaction, in the interaction with Jesus, the woman moves from resentment of him as a male Jew to respect, from resentment to respect. So uh, in verse nine, I, I can, <laughs> can almost hear the tone of a voice, oh, you. <laughs> Uh, what what are you doing? But then in verse 11, 15 and 19, she, she's moved to sir, and you have this developing respect. And then it finishes in verse 29, um, could this be the Messiah? That uh, is a huge uh, journey to take in one conversation. Jesus was a master fisherman. Um, and so he, he hooks her <laughs> in fisherman's terms. Leaving, verse 28, leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town and told people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? So people came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. And many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of, the, uh, because the, of what the woman testified. 
when she said he told me everything I've ever done. So what Jesus has done here is strategically he's approached a woman who was a natural evangelist. His very presence in Samaria is strategic. Coming to Jacob's well is hugely strategic. And then he's speaking to a woman and a Samaritan and somebody uh, who is socially shunned. It's all strategic. So when the Samaritans, in verse 40, when the Samaritans met Jesus, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. This is amazing. Jesus and the disciples stayed in uh, Sichar, Sychar, uh, in Samaritan homes. They ate their non-kosher food. They used their beds and they used their loos. Let's be honest about this. In amazing when you know to say Jews had no dealings with Samaritans you know um, this is when the clouds began to gather for Jesus by the time he returns to Jerusalem and to meet um, his death verse 41 and because of his words many more Samaritans began to believe uh, became believers they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard him for ourselves and know that he really is the savior of the world. So Jesus jaunt into Samaria uh, is an object lesson in the Great Commission. You remember in Acts 1.8, it's my favourite because it brings um, the references in the Gospel, all the, all the world, all the earth, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, brings them all together and in Acts 1.8 it says, you will be witnesses to me in Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, locally, Judea and Samaria, regionally nationally and to the ends of the earth globally um, but as I look at these Jerusalem Judea ends of the earth I, I it's clear they are geographic uh, destinations and then I think why what is Samaria doing there Samaria borders on Judea it's 70 miles from Jerusalem so you think, well, it's not exactly local for, for those in Jerusalem, um, and it's not the ends of the earth. Um, it, 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 it seems to be another category, and I'm going to suggest to you the category is not merely ge geographical, it's cultural. Um, and Samaria and the Samaritans in the Great Commission of Christ opened it was the dawn of cross-cultural witness um, remember the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 67 verse 2 oh that God's ways may be known upon the earth 
his saving health, his salvation, his saving health among all nations. And all nations, as we know from the Great Commission, it's speaking of um, tar ethnos, it, it's um, every, um, every racial subgroup in every political jurisdiction. So every person on earth. And through the Great Commission, um, the disciples naturally started to fulfill um, the Great Commission and the, um, the Book of Acts, um, like the first seven chapters are given to Jerusalem, the next seven uh, to Judea uh, and Samaria, and then um, latterly to the ends of the earth. So the Luke crafts the Book of Acts to show um, this progression. So in Acts 8, we get um, Philip. Um, Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds, with one accord, listened eagerly to what he had, uh, what was said by Philip. Hearing and seeing the signs that he did, unclean spirits cried out with loud shrieks and came out of many who were possessed. Many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in that city. That's Acts 8, 5 to 8. So here's the situation. Um, and the Jews saw the Samaritans as a, a stumbling block. They were, they believed, adulterating the Jewish race, religion and culture. They, were, they feared they were less patriotic and so was security risk. Um, they feared social, uh, they made social scapegoats of them for national problems. Uh, they, were, they feared that they would outbirth Jews and they feared that they were plotting uh, to take over politically. I cite those five points because that is precisely the fears that the academics have discovered uh, are the fear of Muslims in our day. And so I'm suggesting to you that the modern Samaritans are uh, in many ways the Muslim community. Um, hence Jesus' um, countercultural behavior. Um, in Luke 9, um, he defended a Samaritan village that had rejected him. And we're getting um, mouthy with the disciples and uh, James and John said shall shall we call down fire to destroy them and, and Jesus rebukes them says you don't know what spirit you're of and then there's the story in Luke 10 of the Good Samaritan where the hero of the piece is a Samaritan um, who did justly loved mercy and walked humbly with God as the Pharisee and the Levite in the story should have done what about the faithful foreigner a Samaritan who was healed of um, the disease of leprosy and came back to say thank you. Jesus was criticized for defending a woman caught in adultery. Uh, some scholars, uh, that's in John 8, some scholars believe um, uh, that she may have been a Samaritan, which is why they uh, uh, picked her out, and, and the man uh, who was nowhere to be seen, a Jew. But Jesus default to them in John 8 48 uh, this default mechanism to them is spotted and he's accused 
um, of being a Samaritan. It's it, it, a total racial slur uh, on him. Um, and then this uh, interaction with the woman at the well um, is second to none. So my closing plea is that we as followers of Jesus in the 21st century can embrace the fact that more people with a Muslim family background are changing their faith allegiance to Jesus Christ now than at any other time in history. We are needing not the ministry of critics, but we're needing the, the ministry of spiritual midwives who can come alongside and walk with inquirers, new believers, um, and that we join in God's heart, God's purpose. He said to, Gen uh, to uh, Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, through you, all families on earth will be blessed. And Jesus is bringing that to the final phase with his great commission. So go into all the world and make disciples of Tar Ethnos, all nations, for his namesake. God bless.